So tonight I'm going to talk to you about the daring and rarely traveled road. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 through 23. Why don't you stand? I'm going to make you stand one more time for the reading of the word. So the word of our Lord. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony from evening until morning, and it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was taken up from, the, uh, from above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel would journey, and in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. And at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle. The children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey, but when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. At the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord God, we're in a different time, in a different economy, Lord, under a different covenant, being led in a much different way. Father God, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts, Lord God, how you desire to lead us. Lord, how you lead us. And Lord God, the great example that you've given us in Yeshua of how you led him. And Father God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. Teach us, Lord God, as we sit at your feet. And in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So, repeated here, uh, repetition throughout the scripture. When the cloud, okay, basically... Moved, they moved. At night, okay, the pillar of fire, basically, they stayed. Uh, when the cloud moved, they followed the cloud and they were guided, essentially, through the desert, okay, to the promised land by, essentially, the cloud. Now, again, today, we are in a different dispensation. We are in a different time since Pentecost, which is the birthday of the church, we are not led by the outward. We are led by the inward. We are led by the Spirit of God. We are led by the Holy Spirit, our, our comforter, our paraclete, our teacher, our guide, the Spirit of Jesus. And um, I, I title this message, the, Darely, uh, the Daring and Rarely Traveled Road, because human nature, being what it is, would prefer to be led by things outwardly than things inwardly. So there's a, a, a great Robert Frost poem, Two Roads Diverged in a Wood, and I Took the One Less Traveled. Well, I think when it comes to people in churches, I think they choose the road that is far more widely traveled, which is, again, they would prefer to be led by the outward instead of being led by the inward, by the Spirit of God. I think 
I think the majority of people in, in churches would prefer to be led by words written on stones. They prefer to be uh, essentially led by rules written on signs. You know, and this is something, I am a notorious sign destroyer in this church. And when I see somebody put up a sign, I don't care if it's been made on the computer or they wrote it out by hand or they bought it, I will rip it down. Because I believe as Christians we do not need to have signs all over the church that if we make a mess we're supposed to clean it up or turn off your cell phone. Right? Or, or, or signs about you know, where you should go and what you should do. I think that, you know, again, it's, it's just aren't we responsible as human beings being led by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God and His love, that we would have consideration that if we made a mess in the bathroom or we made a mess in the kitchen, that we would clean it up so someone else would not have to clean it up. Don't you think that's true? But most people prefer to be led by signs. They prefer to be led by men, by popes, or men who wear funny hats, or by preachers, or by denominations. And I think that's true of the majority of people who attend church. They prefer to be led outwardly instead of being led inwardly by the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So we have a great example in Jesus, the perfect man, right? Filled by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, empowered with the Spirit, anointed with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and he is our example of, of how we are to live the Christian life. So it, it tells us, and let me give you a, just a couple of verses here about the Lord. Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit des- descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and... You, I am well pleased. So what, what we have here is, here is the, essentially the baptism and the anointing. This is when Jesus is anointed with power by the Holy Spirit to carry forth his mission and fulfill it. In Luke chapter 4, you have in verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here's again a picture. He was filled with the Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4.14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He is empowered by the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. How did Jesus carry forth his ministry, his teachings, his miracles? through the power of the Spirit, right? He didn't use his own, right, logos, sun power. <laughs> he, he Basically, the miracles he did, the empowerment to preach, was done to the Spirit. Look, look at when he goes into the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he has anointed me. Right? Notice that the power comes from the Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. How did he carry forth his ministry? In the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in, in Acts chapter 10.38, it tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Again, it's a, it's a perfect example. The anointing of Jesus by the Spirit empowered him to go out and do the miracles, heal the people, cast out the demons, give sight to the blind, you know, heal the lame, cleanse the lepers. It was done through the Spirit. And I think that's, that's, just a, that's an important lesson that I learned in my life, that again, we have this example of how we are to live. Baptized in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And I said this on Sunday, you cannot live the Christian life in your own power and your own strength. <laughs> you cannot accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish. You cannot live a holy life in the power of your own strength. And if you are trying, you are going to get, the, the devil is going to beat the heck out of you. He's going to beat the heaven out of you. And you know, it's something as a pastor, I deal with this daily. In fact, just today, on an, just another, another crisis of um, a man, right, in his pride and arrogance, thinking he can live the Christian life in his own strength, and he is just, just destroying his family. I mean, destroyed his family. Destroyed his marriage. Right, just, just made an made a absolute wreck of his life. And again, it's, it's typical of somebody, and again, very prideful. Like he looked, he looked, looked really holy. Right? He walks, he looks, he looks like he's you know, this pious Christian man. And um, when you look at it, again, you, you can't live this life that God has called you to in your own power, in your own strength. So we need, we need to be led by the Spirit, just as Jesus was. And I'll tell you, if he was led by the Spirit, he who had no sin and was God, I certainly need to learn how to be led by the Spirit. So that's where I want to spend the rest of the night, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. There is, that is what we call a mark of a true Christian. A true Christian is somebody who is being led by the Spirit of God. It goes on, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that becomes, again, a, a mark of the, the, the Christian life. That when we are being led, when you are following the Lord, you are being led by the Spirit of God, then comes the Spirit's work within you. You're crying out, Abba, Father. That's an intimate relationship with God. And comes this, again, the, the assurance, that, that inner witness of the Spirit of your salvation. If you're, not, if you're not being led, then, again, there isn't that assurance, that, that, that confidence that comes from the Spirit of God. So the first thing to cultivate, okay, that has to be cultivated, to be led by the Spirit, you cultivate a relationship with the Spirit. 
You develop, a, a, I like the word cultivate. You develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. Scripture reveals to us, and what, what makes a person a person, and that is uh, our, what really makes us uh, persons, or we have persona, he has a will. He makes decisions. Right? If he was just a force, like the Jehovah Witnesses believe or the Mormons believe, he would not have a will. He makes decisions. A force cannot make decisions. Right? You have, you have a, electricity is a, is a force. It can't make a decision. But he is a person. He makes decisions. He has intellect. He thinks. He has emotions. He feels. Right? He, he can be grieved. So you, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person... And he is the Spirit of Christ. He's called twice. The Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of Christ. Want to know what the Holy Spirit's like? Look at Jesus. Same holiness, same love, same compassion, same grace, same mercy, same gentleness, right? Same, same power. He's, he's, he's like Jesus. That was very, very significant to me when I, was, when I was reading it, and I'll mention it twice, and I had a great book on how to be filled with the Spirit by A.W. Tozier. And Tozier, you know, talks about that if you want to know what the Holy Spirit's like, just look at Jesus. Same nature, same character, same attributes, right, as, as the Lord Jesus. So when I had begun to preach, and uh, I began to go to churches, and I, I preached, and I think it was close to, it was over 100 churches throughout the, uh, the uh, kind of the East Coast. I went to churches where um, at times the Holy Spirit uh, was depicted, and I left there and I said, if that's the Holy Spirit, it's kind of frightening. Screaming, screeching, people rolling on the floor, spitting up. Uh, I was in one church where I preached, and there was this one 300-pound guy, and it was a 100-degree day, and he was running around the church screaming the entire time I was preaching until I finally said to him, Mr., just sit down. And the people explained to me that this is what he does every, every week. This was his um, thing. And they said, oh, he's filled with the Spirit. Well, where in the Scriptures does it say when someone is filled with the Spirit that they would disrupt the entire church service by running around screaming and yelling and sweating all over everybody? So just what, what I was seeing was, it, it was actually really weird and, and friendly. And folks, I speak in tongues. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I had that er, you know, early on. But what I was seeing is ma manifestations that I don't believe were the Spirit. I think it was just crazy emotionalism and possibly even the devil operating in the church causing, causing just total discord and, and disruption. You know, see, sometimes people will, people who come here, we had a woman here about a year or so ago, she would charge the altar and, and just be dancing up here in front of the altar during worship. And finally we had to tell her to sit down and she was very disturbed because she said, this is what I've done since I was saved and this is the filling of the Holy Spirit. No, what it was doing is no longer were we focused on Jesus. No longer were we focused on worshiping Him. No longer were we focused on glorifying Him. What everybody was doing is looking at her. They were focused on her. So just when I came to see that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus... That made me want to get to know him, to have a relationship with him. 
So that, that is a, a, essentially, you need to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Look at what it tells us. Two verses, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Communion, communication, relationship. Philippians chapter 2, 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Now, the word fellowship and communion, and I don't know why the New King James Version translated, they translated the same word. The word is koinonia. It's the same word for communion and fellowship. And, and communion and fellowship are good English terms for koinonia. It's speaking of relationship, communication. When you, when you are in relationship with someone, you communicate with them, you talk to them, you speak to them, you, you listen to them, you have feeling for them, you love them, right? You, you walk together, you empathize together, you, you, know, you spend time together, you, you laugh together, you cry together, you grieve together, right? Just think, think when you're walking with someone, maybe you go for a walk, with someone. You go for a walk on a beach with someone. You go for a walk in the, in the woods with someone. You're, you're communicating with them, right? You're, you're taking them into your life and you're sharing your life with them. Right? Again, you, you, you will laugh. You will, you will listen. You, you, know, you share your hearts. I was on Sunday. I have a, a childhood friend. We've been friends since we were five years old. 58 years together. Since we were, he's the first friend I ever, I ever, I ever had, Mark Benevento. And Mark surprised us on Sunday. In fact, he came into the church and he surprised us. I didn't even know he was here, but he surprised us. And he came to the house and uh, he and his, his wife, they sat with us. And um, he, and I, he and I did most, I mean, we, everybody was talking, but he was sitting next to me. And he, you know, we were sharing our life with each other. And there were, there were things that we were sharing that were very positive and filled with joy. And there were some things that we were sharing that were, were painful. But we, we, we have a, a relation. That's relationship. That's, that's koinonia. To have a, a relationship with someone. And that, that is what the Lord calls us to with the Holy Spirit. Communion of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal, right, Himself, He's going to reveal God. He's going to reveal the Father, the Son to you. He's going to reveal His attributes, His nature, His love, His compassion, His kindness, His forgiveness. And what do we do? We share our hearts with Him. And we share our joy. We share our, our sorrows. We share our pain. We share our happiness. We share our difficulties. We share our challenges. We share our problems. We share our victories, our struggles, our temptations. I can just, just say that just... Last night, waking up in the middle of the night and with a temptation, and I just began to share it with the Holy Spirit. I just began to, to talk to the Holy Spirit. and He knows, he knows it. He knows my, my weaknesses. And I just began to share with him and just you know, asking him for, for his help, for his guidance. Help me you know, through this. But that's again, that's, that's relationship. God's greatest desire for us. What do you think is, is God's greatest desire for you tonight? I think his greatest desire first is that we would receive his love. He wants to love us. Right? We love him because what? He first loved us. 
So he, he wants to love us, right? Something we, 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 we're busy. Even now, right? We, we're busy. We have a busy day tomorrow. Maybe things have happened this afternoon or today, and they're on our mind, and our minds are... But he, he just wants us to be still, and he wants to love us. And then he wants us to love him. That is what the Holy Spirit brings to us. That is relationship. This, this communion, okay, comes to us through his word and through prayer. Prayer is, again, communing with God, talking to God. It could be praise, it could be thanksgiving, it could be confession, it could be supplication, intercession, asking him for things. Sometimes it's just being with him. And just enjoying his, you know, his presence. But, but, but prayer, we, we, are, we are communicating with God. And through the word of God, he is going to be speaking to us. And he's going to be speaking to our heart. He's going to be teaching us. He is going to be correcting us. He is going to be instructing us, encouraging us, loving us, forgiving us, and revealing himself to us. And uh, that is, a, again, that is the relationship so it, with the word, I'll show you something here. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Even tonight you're sitting here, you could hear my words, and they, they will go in one ear and out the other. But if you're being spirit taught right now, and the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to your heart and you're receiving it, Okay, that, that's, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I just tell you, you see people float in and out of the church, they float in, they disappear. A lot of people just, you know, they, they stop going to church or whatever. I believe if you're in a church like this, and you are not making that connection with the Spirit and tuning in, and having Him teach you, oh, you will get so bored here so quick. Right? I'm just not good enough. Right? I mean, you got, you got TV, right? You got the internet, you got sports, I mean, you got personalities, people, you know, you got, you got so much out there that we can't compete with, with what the world has. But if you're in tune with the Spirit, and you're in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is ministering to you through His Word, let me tell you something, you can't get enough of that. But you have, you have to, again, be in tune with the Spirit and be in communion with the Spirit and not just coming to hear you know, a, a preacher. It doesn't matter if it's me. It could be Derek or it could be Pastor Lou. Right? It could be Pastor Sam, uh, Dante, you know, Dante uh, you know, just all the, all the, 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 the people who have, have to, Tito, right? uh, just Raphael. It doesn't matter who it is. When they're teaching the Word of God and you're in tune with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is going to be teaching you. He's going to be ministering to you. So it goes on. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches. And notice comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. Notice how I teach the Word. What do I do in teaching the Word? What do I use? The Word. <laughs> you, teach, you teach the Word with the word. And, and this message that I'm, I'm giving to you, this is how the Holy Spirit teaches me and what I bring to you. So I'm, I'm looking here about being led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, right? I'm, I'm here in, 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 you know, starting with Romans chapter 8. And the Spirit leads me to John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. 
And he leads me to, you know, again, in that, that idea that he guides us, that he teaches us, that it's about a relationship, it's about communion. And that, as I go to these next points, that he can be grieved, he can be resisted, just like in a relationship. He could be ignored. So let, let me go to my, my, next, my next point. The next point is, let the Spirit guide and teach you. So once you come into relationship with him, now you're looking to be led and guided by him. So in John chapter 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I said. Don't you find that during the day? That the Holy Spirit, maybe you get yourself into a situation, somebody maybe gets you angry, and the Spirit all of a sudden speaks to your heart that you need to forgive that person. And you're, you're remembering Jesus' words. If you're going to be forgiven, you must forgive. And the Spirit, again, the Spirit is there. He's, he's reminding us, He's teaching us. And then in verse 13 of John chapter 16, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into truth, all truth. He becomes, again, He becomes our guide. He becomes our, our teacher. How does, how does the Spirit guide us into truth? Where do we find the truth? Yeah, right. We find we find the truth in the in the Word of God. In, in John eight thirty one through thirty two, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, "If you abide in My Word, right, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." So the Spirit He teaches us. And he guides us, right, through the, the word of God. And we have to be careful with that because the devil will speak things into our mind. The world will speak things into our mind. And sometimes our minds have just been so influenced through the years, there are sometimes things that just are in there and they're now from God. So this is where we need to make sure the Spirit will always teach us from the word. If it doesn't line up with the word, it's not, it's not from the Spirit, so the word of God, the word of God becomes the, you know, the, the, the measuring rod. It, it, it becomes the, um, Lenny, what's the right word for the, uh, the plumb line, right? The, the plumb line that we know that, that things are straight. We test all things by the word. And then again, when the spirit is teaching us the word of God, right, we're, we're taking it, we come to know the truth and then we experience freedom. And freedom, freedom should always be freedom from fear, freedom from condemnation, freedom from hell, freedom from the devil, freedom from sin, freedom from the world, right? Freedom what, what people think of us. I think people, so many people are in bondage to what people think about them. We will experience more and more freedom when we are spirit-taught, okay, we're receiving his word, we're abiding in it, and then that, that, and that freedom is good, you just look at people. People are in bondage. They're in, they're in bondage to, to fears. You know, they're, they're in bondage to the world. And he makes us free. So, again, just as Mary, she sat, right? She sat at Jesus' feet. She was focused. She was tuned in. She was attentive. This is how the Holy Spirit teaches us. This is how Jesus teaches us through the Spirit. We just sit, you know, I don't know, you know, when I, when I sit in the morning and I worship the Lord, you know, I, I sit in my easy chair and it's very comfortable. I have my little cup of 
decaf or, or from coffee next to me. But as I'm in the Word and as I pray, I have a great sense that Jesus is right there with me. And again, through the Spirit of God, He's ministering to me. He's teaching me. He's guiding me, correcting me, sometimes disciplining me, sometimes rebuking me, empowering me. All I can tell you is, I've been doing it for 40 years, and I have never walked away from that experience with less power than I came in. He always empowers me. And I, I, get, you know, I get that empowerment and that energy for the, you know, for the day. So that, that, that is key. Okay, third thing here. The Spirit... Um, third thing here. Do not resist, rebel, grieve, or quench the Holy Spirit. So again, in, in, in a relationship, you can resist the person. You can rebel against a person. You can grieve a person. Right? You, 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 you can quench that person's love for you. So the, the word of God is, is clear. In, in Isaiah chapter 63.10 it says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned himself against them as an enemy. This is a frightening verse talking about Israel, and he fought against them. The word, the word for um, essentially grieve, the word is, is maura, and you get the word bitter. Here, you know, he, he essentially, he embittered, they embittered the spirit. They had grieved him so that he was embittered. Have you ever said somebody do something to you and your spirit is embittered towards them? Again, think of this as relationship. We don't want to embitter the Holy Spirit and, you know, essentially grieve Him against us. Another verse, Acts chapter 7, 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so to you. And this is Stephen's word to the religious leaders. He calls them here, you're stiff-necked. And again, they resist. They were resisting the Spirit. How do you resist the Spirit when He's guiding you, when He's asking you to do something and you don't do it? You just you, know, you block it out. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it my way. He may be asking you to do something. He may be asking you to stop doing something. And you just, again, you just, you just become very stiff-necked to Him. And I'll show you what that word, where that word comes from. It comes from, essentially, an ox whose uh, basically neck has become so calloused that now the yoke doesn't work anymore. The ox becomes useless. Now it's time to cook him up and have, uh, you know, have steaks because he's, he's now he's totally useless to the farmer because his neck has become so calloused that the yoke, he doesn't, he doesn't go right, he doesn't go left, he doesn't move forward, he doesn't move back. And that's, again, that's a picture of somebody who has resisted the Holy Spirit for so long that their heart becomes so calloused that now they, they, they can't hear from the Spirit of God. And that, that can happen to believers. So again, this is, it, it's, a, it's a picture of relationship. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit... Do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from what is evil. The word quenching the spirit, the spirit, the spirit is a fire. I just want to say, he, he's got a, you know, you know a person who is passionate, a person who has a fire in them, they're enthusiastic, they're excited. 
The Spirit dwells in, in perpetual enthusiasm. He, he dwells in, with, with a perpetual passion. But again, what can people do? They can quench the Spirit's fire. They can, they can literally somewhat extinguish the, the passion, the excitement, the, the joy of, of, of the Holy Spirit until what happens is they once burn brightly. You never see this in the church. People who burn brightly for the Lord. I mean, they come in here and they lit up the church with their passion and enthusiasm for Christ. They just, they love Jesus. They're excited for Jesus. There is this, this, this fervor in them, this fire in them. And then they quench the Spirit. And that love, that joy, that power, they burn out. Now, now son, you look and they're a smoldering wick. And it's, you know, it's sad. The enthusiasm is gone. The, the, the passion is gone. You know, what is them? They've quenched the Spirit of God. And then one other, one other verse, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And again, just as you can grieve another person, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit grieving over your life? I, I have. If you're, again, you're in tune. You, you know that closeness. Right? You think, of, think, think of Peter. Peter was walking closely with Jesus. Right? And, then, and then Peter, and I'm going to preach on this in a couple weeks in a Sunday. Then Peter, in his pride, you know, I'll never desert you. I'll never. They, very prideful. Right? He's very arrogant. And then uh, what happens, right? He's following Jesus from a distance, right? When it was in the garden, couldn't you pray? Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, right? The flesh is weak. And then Peter denies the Lord three times. But he's, he's followed, like he, wasn't, he was following Jesus so closely, and now he's following Jesus from a distance, and the spirit, right? You see the, the, the spirit grieving. And he will grieve over our lives. When, we, when all of a sudden you sense that grieving of the spirit in your life, you know you're not close to him. Now there's, there's some things that have gotten in the way. And now, you know what? That distance, that distance, be careful because it can get wider and wider and wider. But you'll sense the spirit grieving. I'll tell you something. Sometimes I'm ministering to people here. I could feel the spirit grieving over their life. Just he's he's just he's grieving over your life, from from where you you once were to where you know to where you are, and because of you know decisions you're making and your self will and your you know your pride and your sin that you're unwilling to repent from and you grieve. So again, this is a relationship we have with him, just as we have with one another, and just as we can resist right people we love, and we can grieve people we love. Right? We can put out the, 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 the fire in another human being's heart who had love for us so these things happen with the Spirit of God. So it's relationship. Right? Not, not some type of, again, a cold set of rules that you follow. It's a, it's a living, viable relationship that we have with God, with the Holy Spirit. Okay, last point. Be filled with the Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21, 
And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So, you know, you hear, you hear me say this. You know, again, the, the confusion of what it is to be filled with the Spirit, when you are filled with wine, whose influence are you under? The wine, right? The people under the influence of alcohol, DWIs, accidents, right? I mean, it, you talk to the police, domestic violence in homes, always related to alcohol, like 99% of the time. You know, you see, you see people, and I used to be a bouncer in, in bars, people under the influence, they do, I mean, they do stupid, crazy things. You know, you, you guy could be 99 pounds with a, a neck as big as my finger, and he's going to go take on the, the, the bouncer who was a world champion wrestler at 300. I mean, that's what we, we see. And uh, just again, under the influence of alcohol, well, if you are filled with the Spirit, you're under the influence of the Spirit. He's, he's leading you. He's guiding you. You're not a robot. Wouldn't it be nice if he just took total control of our will, our mind, our bodies, and they just did exactly what he wanted them to do? No, because you're still a free will person. So what, what's happening now is he's influencing you, right? He, he's, gonna, he's going to compel you with his love. He's going to inspire you. He's going to encourage you. But you, you have to be in agreement with him. So every day, it, it becomes a garden experience multiple times. For me, not my will but yours be done. <laughs> over and over again. And sometimes you fail. And you've got to come, you've got to repent, you've got to seek his forgiveness. Now watch this. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Watch what, what, what the Word of God tells us here of how to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So if you are going to be under the influence of the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, what does it say? Praise Him. Give glory to Him. And notice verse 21, submit to one another. And some of us have a real hard time with this. Right? Submit. We, you know, I don't have to get my own way here at Living Word. It doesn't have to be Frank, Frank, you know, Pastor Frank's way or the, or, or the highway. I think the, the leaders, you know, I think I'm pretty open, right, to what you, know, what you guys you know, and you ladies suggest with the you know, direction of the church. But um, I think that, that is, there has to be a, a level of submission. So again, A.W. Tozer's book, How to Be Filled with the Spirit, really great book of influence, and the way he shared the Word of God really ministered to me. But um, what he said was, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, just go on glorifying Jesus. Now watch, in John chapter 7, 37 through 39, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the Spirit. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What does that tell you? That if you glorify Jesus, the Spirit is going to come. Just as it says in Ephesians 5. You want to be filled with the Spirit, glorify Jesus. You want to be filled with the Spirit, praise the Lord. Go through the day with a praise song in your heart, giving thanks to Him. 
just being glorifying him and you will continue to be filled with the spirit when you when you are glorifying jesus the spirit comes and he inhabits he manifests himself in a, in a greater way worship him give thanks to him praise him obey him and you will live in that fullness of the spirit so um keynotes here just key thing again to be led by the Spirit, you have to come into relationship with Him. You have to be teachable and allow yourself to be guided by Him. Don't grieve Him. Don't resist Him. When He's speaking to your heart, o- o- obey Him. And just be under His influence. And you can go on being filled with the Spirit. Now again, I said this to you. This is a daring adventure. And I believe that it is a a road that is far less traveled. Because, again, my experience, most people would rather be led by words written on stones, by signs, by popes, by priests, by pastors, by denominations, and even here. I think people would rather be led by a preacher than led by the Spirit. And that's a dangerous place to be. I don't want to be led by by a pastor. I have some very, I mean, my favorite teachers, a Spurgeon, John MacArthur, some of my favorite teachers. But you know what? They are not who is leading me. It's the Spirit. And by the way, they're not the ones ultimately who are teaching me. It's the Holy Spirit is teaching me. But it is it is a daring adventure because again, we as human beings, we want to be led by things outwardly. And not by the Spirit of God. So I come back and I'll end with this again. Robert Frost, two roads diverged in the wood and I took the one less traveled by. God has put something in my nature that has basically led me through most of my life to travel on the road that's less traveled. That goes with everything. But I have found that, that this road of being led by the Spirit is again, it is a wonderful adventure that brings vitality, energy to life, as compared to just, again, being led by outward people or outward rules or outward regulations, right? So I just pray, take that to heart. Be led by the Spirit of God. We don't have a cloud. We don't have a pillar of fire. We have the Spirit of God to lead us. You'll be amazed and how rich your life will become, and what God will use you for when you're being led by the Spirit. Every day becomes an exciting adventure. Every day. All right? Okay, let's have the uh, worship team come forward. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, impress the word upon our hearts. This is such an important word. This is, Lord God, this is truly one of the ultimate, Lord, teachings that you have given to us. That this life that we are to live, if we are to live it victoriously, it can only be done through the leading of your spirit, through the filling of your spirit, through the anointing of your spirit. And Lord God, when that life begins to manifest in us, that relationship, that teaching, that guiding, Lord, you will lead us to people, you will lead us to do things. Lord God, you will lead us to mountaintops of peace and joy. And I do pray that for all. In the name of Jesus, amen.